Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. When it's time to hire, I know finding the right person for your company can be challenging. That is especially true in a small business where every employee truly impacts the organization. So when you are ready to find that next hire, LinkedIn can help. LinkedIn Jobs matches your role with qualified candidates so you can find the right person quickly. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person faster. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond just the hard skills and puts your job posts right in front of qualified candidates every day so it's seen by people looking for jobs like yours. That's why companies rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team. Again, that's linkedin.com slash team, T-E-A-M, to get $50 off your first job post. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. (laughs) That's absurd. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin, and I've got Rob on the phone. We are still being socially distant, but not socially inactive. Rob, how are you doing? I'm good, man. It's a good way to say it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a little awkward, but I got it out. We're yeah, you know, we're still online. We're still on Twitter. We're still we're still following stuff. And actually, a lot's happened, you know, since our last podcast. A like, surprising, actually, lots of real news. We were we were planning on doing a guys and ties classic today, but there was so much stuff that came out, and there's some stuff that's coming up in the next week or so that we felt that we had to get a podcast out with some real news instead of just looking at old stuff. So. Rob, what do you want to start off with? We've got a couple things to cover today. We've got to cover uh, a new basketball transfer. We've got a football transfer, some football recruiting news. We've also got the NFL draft coming up next week. Where should we start? Yeah, it's a full list, man, but I think we start with basketball, and I think we start with Trey Murphy, who committed you know, a week ago and out of Rice, and he's a really exciting transfer, man. He's really exciting, and you know, you read all these recruiting people out there. There's who's got next, you know, whose place does a great job tracking this stuff. And, you know, UVA was kind of in the mix for a couple of transfers here. And, you know, slowly they started to, you know, eliminate Virginia. And we kind of came down to Trey Murphy. And, you know, was Trey Murphy going to be the guy? And it seemed like the staff was really prioritizing Trey Murphy, too. They wanted him to be the guy. And we found out about a week ago, yes, he is the guy. And Dustin, I'm curious to see what you think of him because I am really excited about this addition of the roster. I think it's going to be really, really big for us. I'm really pumped. I, I think Trey Murphy is going to be a great fit for this UVA team, especially a team that, you know, as we looking at it like right now, needs some shooters. And Trey Murphy is a good three point shooter. He's six eight. He shoots about. 37% from three, but he is a really good shooter overall. Last year, he shot 82% from the line, and he shot about 43% from the field in total. Uh, Average 13.7 points last year, 5.5 rebounds, 1.2 assists, and a really athletic guy as well. So I was watching some highlights of him earlier. He is a quick off the bounce. He has got some dribbling skills. You know, the interesting thing about Trey Murphy is that we recruited him back in high school and he was only 6'5 when 
we were recruiting him and he's grown three inches since then. So he's still growing into his body. There's a lot of potential there. You can look at him. If you look at highlights or if you look at a picture of him, you can tell he's young. Like he looks really young. He's got a young face. He he's, it looks like he's still got some baby fat maybe. And he's still got a really lanky body. Like he's got room to grow. And so I'm really excited to see him uh, get in the weight room with Mike Curtis and see where he's at after a year of that. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be so huge. And, you know, right now he's six foot eight, 200 pounds. And, you know, in kind of, kind of the DeAndre Hunter way, you know, he has a seven foot one wingspan, apparently. Mm-hmm. I mean, that dude is going to take up some space on the floor. And, you know, you look at just how this roster is constructed. And I think, you know, I think most people who listen to us, you know, probably know a lot about Trey Murphy by now and, you know, get the obvious out of the way. He's planning to redshirt next season, you know, kind mm-hmm. of regardless of whether this blanket transfer rule passes or not. He's planning to redshirt next season. So the first season will take the floor for us. is going to be 21-22 team. And, I mean, to think this guy's 6'8", 200 pounds, I mean, I would say probably at least 15 pounds heavier between now and when he takes to the floor for UVA, if not more. And, I mean, dude, you were right. Like, the fact that he shot up since high school – you know, height wise, apparently his growth plate still on a close is what he said in an interview <laughs> that he had an x-ray and, you know, the growth plates are still open. So we'll see, maybe, maybe even gets taller, but yeah, I mean, he's a true wing with terrific height and, you know, he's still has the guard like skills. And like you said, that three point shooting ability. And you look at who we're graduating after next season, uh, Sam Hauser he's essentially going to backfill this role perfectly for at least a year, maybe two. He'll mm-hmm. have two years of eligibility remain. Yeah. So he, he's like the pro typical, uh, pro style stretch three, stretch four wing guard that Tony Bennett has really liked to recruit over the past, you know, four or five years. Uh, if you look at Deandre Hunter, tall, long wingspan, athletic off the dribble, you look at, uh, Jabri Abdur Rahim, Tall, athletic, long wingspan, good shooter, good scorer. Uh, Hauser, Sam Hauser, uh, grad transfer from Marquette, got one year of eligibility left. Fantastic shooter, lights out, tall, great, uh, great length on the wing once again. And now we got Trey Murphy, the third, really long wingspan, great shooter, still a lot of room to grow as well. So I think that Tony has, it seems like, and I think this is true for every coach. But Tony seems to like to have these long athletic wings who can guard multiple positions, uh, wings who have guard skills, wings who can shoot the ball. So I think that we got our successor to Hauser in Trey Murphy. Yeah, and you know, I was telling you this, and I'm super excited about next season. Like next season, we're going to have a really good roster. I mean, to think of Kihei coming in and, you know, improving on what he did this year. Obviously, Sam Hauser you know, is going to provide a huge element offensively that we didn't have last year, really be able to spread the floor too. And, you know, well, the side will be better. Marcel will be better. Huff will be more consistent. And mm-hmm. I mean, you even have, you know, the freshmen coming in and, you know, as we get closer to the season, we can talk about the freshmen, but you know, it's going to be a crowded roster. It's not crazy to think that Adur Rahim, you know, McCorkle Beekman, one of these guys, at least is probably redshirting. So, I mean, you know, I'm really excited about next year's team. But to me, like this is, I compare it almost to Braxton Key coming in because mm-hmm. when Braxton Key came in before the season, God, I mean, now two seasons ago, when yeah. Braxton Key came in, to me, like that was, you know, the ceiling was a final four. Like you really wanted him to get to the final four. And we, when Braxton Key came in, it became, to me, like a final four bus season. Yeah. Like this was the year to do it. We, had an, emer- we had an emergency pod, Rob. I remember <laughs> it was a very good emergency. It was it was huge that. news. It was huge news. And even though, it, and Braxton was incredible. Braxton helped us win that championship. I don't think Braxton truly hit that offensive ceiling that we thought he could. And I know his senior year was cut short too. But I think that just looking at Trey Murphy and looking at what he can do, I think offensively he's better than Braxton. Oh, I would think absolutely. And I think the ceiling is so high there too, mm-hmm. you know, just with his ability as a shooter alone. Yeah. And dude, I mean, I look at this edition, I start looking at the 21, 22 roster right now. I mean, to have two ball handling guards, assuming, you know, Kihei Clark, Reese Beefman, you know, you got shooters and more 
McCorkle most likely. And, you know, Morcel, he's most, I think he'll reach his ceiling. I hope he reaches his ceiling. And then you have these wings, you know, Abdur Rahim will be a sophomore. And now you add in Trey Murphy. And then we're looking at Caden Shedrick. We're looking at Kafaro. And I mean, Justin McCoy, although he didn't really play this year, at every one of these conference calls these guys are having right now for the media, like everyone keeps bringing up Justin McCoy. So like I look at this roster and I think there's still even three scholarships available for still in 21, 22. And, you know, we can talk about them a bit. One of them, at least, if not multiple are going to get filled most likely by really, really talented, you know, players that we're looking at coming in. I mean, there's so many reasons to be excited about the future of this basketball program right now. Like this year was a little blip in the radar you know, Tony Bennett didn't know these three guys, Kai, uh, Ty, Kyle, and Dre, were going to be leaving. But, you know, looking at the future of this team, it's really, really easy to get excited. Yeah, and I think, I think also, I mean, if we're if we're talking about like in the next couple of years, it, it feels like Tony has, you know, gotten back on the his good recruiting bump. You know, like he had the good good year with Dre and ty and kyle and and uh jay that was a great year um and this year as well this upcoming year he's got a really good recruiting class and mccorkle and beekman and abdur rahim and uh, i guess you can add trey murphy to that list and then it seems like he's on maybe the leader in getting trevor keels one of the best players in the country for 2022 so I feel like Tony's in a really good spot recruiting-wise. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about Trevor Keels for a second. I mean, he would be, you know, it would be kind of like, hey, guys, like, if you don't believe Virginia is actually – because, like, college basketball is so weird. I mean, now we have the news where guys are skipping the NCAA, go straight to the G League. But, you know, you want to talk about, like, recruiting-wise, saying, like, hey, yeah, we're really here. I mean, getting a player like Trevor Keels is 100% that. Shooting guard, six foot five, uh, you know, out of Fairfax, number 18 recruit nationally. You know, 24-7 has his composite rating at 99-31. I mean, it's crazy. Like, this guy is so, so talented. And, you know, we had the Kyle Guy, who was a McDonald's All-American, coming out of high school this is kind of like next level this is like above that if we are to get him and obviously there's a lot out there whether or not you know there's smoke whether there's fire i don't know but yeah i mean tony bennett you know as a coach right now obviously but also recruiting right now is just on a tear just on an absolute tear mm-hmm. yeah i agree so we, we've talked about I want to go back to Trey Murphy a little bit. Uh, we've talked about his offense a lot, and let's talk about his defense a little bit because we know that UVA built on defense. That's what the whole program is about. That's that's what this past year was on the court was just defense. There wasn't a lot of offense. He'll bring the offense. We know that. And uh, what about the defense? So Trey Murphy is not necessarily known for his defense. I think with the extra year, with his red shirt, he's going to be able to learn that pack line defense a little bit better. And I think that his offensive skills will definitely keep him in the game. He's not necessarily a great rebounder. He's a really solid rebounder. I think with, you know, being with Mike Curtis for a little bit, I think he'll be able to get a little bit stronger on the rebound as well. And I think that, you know, this is a really smart decision by Trey Murphy to red shirt. And he knows that he's seen players like Ty, Dre, and Kyle get drafted. I think that Tony is becoming not only known as just a good coach, but also a good developer of talent. He's a great developer of talent as well. And so I think Trey Murphy has come to Virginia to develop that talent and to get his game to the next level. And I'm really excited to see where that goes. Yeah, and I mean, you look at, I mean, the easiest you know, case study, precedent, whatever you want to call it here is, you know, DeAndre Hunter, a guy that can shoot the ball, super athletic. You know, Dre came in, you know, you, it's crazy. You see the pictures of Dre in high school versus uh, when he graduated. I mean, the weight that dude put on was incredible. And obviously that goes so much to uh, Mike Curtis, but also to him and, yeah. you know, just the emphasis they place on that in the program. And, but like you look at the case study, you know, similar heights, you know, similar lengths, you know, there's no reason to think 
that Trevor Murphy cannot be a great defender at UVA, especially oh, yeah. coming in saying, hey, I'm going to redshirt because I want to learn the defense. Yeah. You know, there's such a high ceiling there. And, you know, his length alone is going to cause so many problems for right. uh, opposing offenses. And, and, you know, the thing about the pack line is that you don't have to be a great individual defender to be good in the pack line. I mean, if you look at someone like and and because it's a it's kind of like it operates almost like a zone in that everyone moves at the same time. You don't stand still in the defense in the pack line. You help out others. You uh, charge into passing lanes. You double team. I think Trey Murphy is going to be a great addition once he learns how to move within that defensive system. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at a guy like Evan Nolte, and Evan Nolte yeah. will come out and say he's like, "Yeah, I was the worst individual on the defender on the team for four years." But he was but great he was at a trapping. Good pack line defender. He was great at ball traps. Oh. Yeah, so I mean, there's obvious there's obvious room here, and dude, I mean, I'm just really excited about the future of the program right yeah. now. Like, you know, when sports come back, and hopefully they come back soon enough. Like, Virginia basketball is just going to be so much fun over these next couple of years, and like this transfer. For all we know, this could just be the beginning of future recruiting news coming as well. Because right. you know, there's so many things still out there, and it's it's just a really exciting time. Yeah, I agree. So, unless you have anything else to add about Trey Murphy, there is a big news on the UVA football transfer market. Rob, you want to lead us there? <laughs> My pleasure, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, big news, man. Ronnie Walker. Uh, he his transfer became. You know, we'll call it official. It seems like the coaching staff had been expecting this for a while. Um, but yeah, Ronnie Walker joins the program. And, you know, he's a big addition in the backfield because, you know, there was a lot of attrition at running back this season and or after this season. Like you look at guys, Lamont Atkins leaving, uh, PK Kyer leaving. Both of them would have been seniors. And you look at a guy with tremendous speed, Seneca Millage, he's leaving. So all of a sudden we had really only two true running backs on the roster, Wayne Talapapa and Mike Collins. Like it was going to be very, very thin. So getting uh, Ronnie Walker in there is huge. Now the wild card here is we don't know if he's going to be able to play next year. So, you know, this is kind of a different situation than Trey Murphy where he's saying, yeah, I'm going to come in, I'm going to redshirt, you know, Ronnie Walker doesn't want to redshirt. He doesn't have to. Yeah, yeah he actively, path to playing actively wants to play. And I think, you know, there's a couple different ways in which he can do that. He's looking to get a hardship waiver. And and also if this, if the it looks unlikely at this point, but if there is a um, bylaw from the NCAA pass that says transfers can play immediately, he would get to play that way as well but at this point it looks like he really wants to play although it is weird because bronco said that he or the the press release said that he was going to redshirt his first year at uva yeah i i just think it wasn't the best communications part on the university side but yeah i mean right now he's gonna have to redshirt the question is whether he can get this hardship waiver and you know, in my opinion, to me, it seems more likely than not that he does. You know, you look at a guy, he's from uh, Hopewell, Virginia, originally had heavily considered UVA out of high school, ends up going to Indiana. He's coming back to Virginia saying, hey, I want to be closer to my family. And, you know, he's even said this, you know, being the brother of Travion Henderson, it was really hard on his parents, you know, not being able to see all their games all the time. And, you know, with the coronavirus happening right now, to me personally, I think there's, you know, no reason he should not get this hardship waiver approved. Of course, you know, it's up in the air. But I'll tell you, if he gets this waiver approved, I think Ronnie Walker is your starter next season. And I really think this is the best scheme fit at running back we've had in this offense. Because you look at guys like Taquan Mizell, who was probably the most talented guy we've had. But you look at the system they want to run in between the tackles, you know, heavy ball carrier use. You know, Ronnie Walker fits that. And not only does he fit that, he has the speed element. You know, he's not a burner. He's not smoke, but he is faster than Jordan Ellis. He is faster than Wayne Tyler Papa. You know, Bronco likes to use the word dynamic. And I don't know if he's dynamic in your traditional sense, but as far as running backs go at the University of Virginia, he's probably your most dynamic guy if you get him on the field this year. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see him. Uh, what what do you think happens with the running backs that we currently have? With it when he when if Ronnie Walker becomes eligible this year, do they split time or is this going to be a 
a mainly Ronnie Walker show? You know, it's interesting to think because one of the biggest criticisms I had of the offense last year, and many people had this, is, you know, they weren't mixing up ball carriers. You know, to me, the strength of the backfield, what could have been the strength of the backfield last year was, you know, you had a, more of a speed guy in Lamont Atkins, and you had more power guys and Wayne and PK. And then if you even wanted to add Seneca Millage to the group, you had another, like, really, really dynamic speed guy there. And they pretty much just ran, you know, Wayne Talapapa all the time. And, you know, I think we're kind of at the point in the Mendenhall era where the precedent has been set. You know, it's going to be heavy one ball carrier. So I don't really know how this plays out with the other guys other than I think Ronnie Walker, if given, if they all start from the same point, I think Ronnie Walker wins the job. And if Ronnie Walker is your starter, I think you're going to see a lot less Wayne Talapapa. You know, I think you're going to see a lot less Mike Collins. And to Wayne's credit, he was terrific on the goal line last year. I don't know if they'll consider him still kind of the goal line back. Kind of tough to say, but, you know, Bronco has heavily favored a one-back system. And it's really interesting to think about, too, just in light of what Robert and I said on his press conference last week, where he was like, yeah, you know, this should be the best year running the football at UVA that we've had as a staff. So I don't know if he's factoring in, you know, Ronnie Walker or not there, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this offense unfolds, especially at the running back position. Cause I think you're right. I think there's a lot of clouds right now. If you're Wayne Telepop or Mike Collins looking at a guy like Ronnie Walker coming in. Yeah. Especially for someone like Mike Collins, who we saw last year have a lot of potential, but also some trouble with, with fumbling and maybe some blocking issues. So it, it was exciting for me as a fan to see, hopefully see him get more time this year and maybe even next year moving forward. But now it looks like, you know, if they're not going to be doing a running back by committee, it looks like, it sounds like Ronnie Walker is going to be the guy to go to. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would think. And, you know, honestly, when I'm looking at just like direct comparisons, I think, Ronnie Walker and Mike Collins are very similar style backs, you know, heavy, you know, low center of gravity, but they have, you know, they're not burners necessarily, but they have this speed element, this explosion that beats what, you know, Jordan Ellis had or Wayne Talapapa had. So I think they're honestly very similar styles of running backs. And, you know, I mean, (laughs) made the best man win, right. You know, if Mike Collins comes in and, fixes his fumbling woes that kind of haunted him a bit last year and he takes the job you know great like I'd love to see that but I think I think they're going to be very similar styles of backs so I'm I'm a little skeptical that Bronco and Anai would necessarily find a by committee approach with them just because they're not really that different and if one or the other can handle two three hundred carries a season seems like that's their preferred method the other thing to think about is you know, Bryce Perkins was our leading carrier last year, or at least the one who did the best. And and often they would not use any running back. It would just be Bryce Perkins carrying the ball, and maybe Wayne Talapapa would be a lead blocker. This year, Armstrong is not necessarily the same kind of runner as Bryce Perkins, and so it'll be interesting to see how many more designed run plays there are for the running backs versus for the quarterbacks yeah absolutely and you know we've talked about this before about how the running styles are different between brennan armstrong and bryce perkins and you know brennan has said he doesn't have the same top end speed as bryce he's elusive i think he's shifty but he's not he's not pulling out a 65 yard touchdown run against north carolina right right so i mean you know it's going to be different how they do it i think it's going to be a lot more power stuff i think you look at the way staff used Taysom hill when they were at byu i think it's gonna be very similar I think Taysom Hill did have that top end speed, though, that Brennan probably doesn't necessarily have. But, you know, the way Robert and I was talking the other day is it seems like they really want to get the ball carriers, you know, the running backs, way more involved in the run game this year. Because right now we're still very thin at quarterback. You know, if Brennan Armstrong goes down right now on our roster, we have Lindell Stone and true freshman Ira Armstead. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, what he emphasizes we're not graduating anyone on the offensive line. The entire offensive line returns certainly wasn't the strength at the end of last year, but it came a long way. It got much, it got much better season. Got much better. Yeah. And I mean, you bring in the Penn state transfer coming in who should hopefully be healthy this year. You know, you pencil him in as one of the starters. Hopefully you get Rankins Meyer back inside instead of tackle, you know, we're not graduating anybody. So 
you know, there's tons of options on the table. There's more depth. You know, hopefully this is a season where we can say, hey, let's run the football because, you know, we really didn't have a lot of success running the ball in 2017 with Kurt Benkert as quarterback and Jordan Ellis, you know, Kurt Benkert being more of the traditional pocket passer. Really, the one year where we did have success running the ball was the year after in 2018, where you had the Bryce Perkins, Jordan Ellis combo, where I think Bryce's speed and the fact that he was healthy the entire season you know, really opened things up for Jordan Ellis more so than the other way around. And then with Bryce, you know, being hurt in the first half of last season, I think that kind of hurt the running game for sure a little bit and um, picked up towards the end of the season. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a different attack. And (laughs) I'm very excited to see how it goes because I I think it's truly going to be something we haven't seen before and that it's going to be very much a mix between the Kurt Van Kurt offense and the Bryce Perkins offense. And I think that'll be a nice, happy mixture, honestly, because I feel like at times both offenses were so predictable in the way that they would do things. Like with with Ben Kurt, it would be like a long touchdown pass or nothing, really. That's what it felt like because we couldn't kick field goals that year. And with, <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> with Bryce Perkins, it felt like it was very consistent, but it was a lot of running. And so oftentimes Bryce would have a game where he would average one or two yards a carry because he would get um hit at the line so often so i think it'll be nice to have a, more of a pocket passer and armstrong and a nice runner you know and one of the running backs that we have yeah i mean of course the huge wild card in this is what does brent brennan armstrong look like as a passer you know we're starting to get right we still don't know we still don't know yeah like everyone's talking about how he's this gunslinger his moxie how he makes all these plays and certainly we've seen him make some plays and some great throws and limited action, but, you know, we still don't have a true feel for, you know, what he's going to look like as a passer, just because we haven't really seen him every down. Every time he came in, it would be, he'd do a great job, but it was either mop up at the end of Liberty or he'd be in for a series while Bryce gets checked out and Bryce comes back in. And I mean, Bryce was an incredibly, incredibly tough dude. And, you know, hopefully we get the same thing out of Brennan, but yeah, we don't know. And, you know, Maybe uh, we know he's got a live arm. Does it look somewhat similar to Kurt Binker? But, you know, maybe Brennan Armstrong's running around more. He's more the gunslinger. Or, you know, is he more kind of prefers to stay still in the pocket? I don't know. And, I mean, you have to think, too, with uh, Kurt Binker, how bad that offensive line was when he was there. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were rolling the pocket left and right just trying to keep him upright, you know, trying to give him the chance to throw. So it's uh, going to be a very different look, too, hopefully, with how – they scheme the offense with the offensive line around Brennan Armstrong. I mean, it's going to be a totally different attack. And I think an eye undersold it a little bit. And I was saying this week, you know, it's going to be different, but there's going to be a lot of the same concepts. Sure. But I think it's going to be pretty different than what we've seen the past two years. I'm going to be honest. I think the term gunslinger uh, scares me a little bit. It it feels like he just chucked like guns, gunslingers. When you think of gunslinger, I think the pro typical gunslinger is Jake Cutler where you just like you just have a hammer in your arm and you just throw it really far, but all you don't always make great decisions and sometimes you can only throw it far. There's no like down stuff down low. So I don't like the term gunslinger, but I hope that he Brennan has a, a nice accurate arm. Yeah, and I mean I'll throw Brett Favre in there is the guy I think of the yeah. gunslinger. Yeah. And I mean, him running around and wasn't really a running threat, but he ran around a lot. Um, so, I mean, it's it's obviously tough to say. And the receivers, we don't know what the receivers are going to be like. I mean, quite frankly, you know, hopefully there's another backup quarterback that comes in through transfers. You know, the staff has said they welcome a wide receiver transfer, although there's not really one on their radar right now. You know, this offense is still evolving. And, you know, we've said it's a shame that there's no spring ball right now. We'd be in the thick of spring ball if there was. Um, but, yeah, I mean, going bringing this all back to Ronnie Walker, is this adds, you know, something firm if he's able to get um, eligible this year. You know, someone that you have confidence in, someone who brings depth to the group, and someone proven. And, you know, admittedly, he didn't have a ton of carries at Penn State or at Indiana. He kind of fell behind on the depth chart. But you look at where he was as a recruit. He was the 19th overall recruit, you know, and I think a big part of this, too, is he was the number nine recruit in the state of Virginia. And as we're looking at recruiting in general, you know, I don't think it's a necessity to be able to 
recruit out of Virginia, but I think it's very, very good thing to be able to recruit out of Virginia. It always feels bring good. In, oh, yeah. And I mean, you look at teams who come into our backyard and take players. I mean, you even look at the movement UNC has going down in North Carolina. <laughs> UNC has the number two recruiting class in the country right now. It's crazy. So, you know, you bring in someone who has ties to Virginia. And, you know, I'm not saying we're going to get Trivion Henderson because he's here. But, you know, it, even if that makes Trivion Henderson consider UVA a little bit more, you know, and other people consider UVA a little bit more, I just think it's a great addition to the program. I, I don't think I understood how highly recruited Ronnie Walker was coming out of high school. And I think that adds a huge, even though he's a transfer, I think it, it adds a huge kind of boost to this coaching staff and this, this team that they can land uh, top recruits like that. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully over the next couple of days, some, another recruit will commit, you know, we're looking at a four star linebacker out of uh, California or out of Washington right now, you know, hopefully that commit drops soon as well. But um, you know, the staff needs a little momentum right now. And, you know, if we're being totally honest, coming off, you know, winning the Coastal, beating Virginia Tech, you know, going to the Orange Bowl, you would hope to see a little bit of an uptick in recruiting. And, you know, so far it's been kind of your same, kind of mostly three-star class. Right now it's all three stars. But hopefully this is kind of a jump that can give them a little jolt. And you saw how excited the staff was on Twitter when Ronnie Walker committed. And, you know, you see the excitement coming from Kelly Papinga, which, you know, presumably is coming from this outside linebacker from the West Coast. Mm -hmm. You know, I think this group, especially now with everything remote, and I think being remote kind of puts UVA at this little bit of a disadvantage just since they don't recruit the state of Virginia as well as they would like to. But, you know, hopefully this is the jolt these guys need to really get this class off the ground. And, you know, this is going to be a massive class. This class could seriously push the 25 recruit limit in a class. Like it's going to be huge. There's tons of open spots available. I mean, heck by my math, we even still have five open spots available for this coming year. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of room to be filled out and hopefully this can just give the staff a jolt and, you know, really get this recruiting movement going forward. Yeah. Cause I feel, I feel like at this point it's not even that we're lacking recruiting, but like, but like Bronco and his staff has have gotten us so much farther than we were five years ago. And I feel that once they get recruiting down and they're able to really to really recruit not only the state of Virginia well, but just the whole country well. And Virginia's a known uh, you know, team that recruits feel comfortable going to, I feel like that's really when this will take off. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about being an Ohio State here, being, you know, even a Penn State to that extent, or a right. BAM or LSU. Like, Virginia's never going to be that. But, right. you know, most of our classes these past few years have been mostly three stars and a four star sprinkled in here or there. If Virginia can get to the point where, you know, maybe it's two thirds, three stars, but maybe a third of the class is four star. I mean, I'm. it's so rare to get a five star recruit in college football. And, you know, Mike London had a couple, but... You know, if the classes weren't well balanced and everything like that, you know, if Virginia can get to the point where maybe a third of their class is four stars or borderline four stars, I mean, we've seen the way the staff can develop talent and they are really, really good at it. And if Virginia can get to that point, you know, there's no reason to think Virginia can't be in the top 20 of college football every year. Just mm -hmm. with the way the staff is so well designed and so well at executing these game plans and the development of these players. You know, to me, I really want that to come because I really think, you know, with increased talent level and not just at the starters, but depth, you got to have a good, you know, depth guys all over your football team. Because as we've seen, guys get hurt. So if yeah. Virginia can get to that point. You know, I think, you know, there's no reason to think Virginia can't be a top 20 program. There just really isn't. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Uh, is there anything else you want to mention about UVA football or recruiting with football i think not necessarily recruiting but maybe we can talk recruiting to the nfl a little bit a yeah little that, that, that's where i was moving that's where i was moving <laughs> yeah because obviously the draft is this week it yeah comes up fast it's on thursday and yeah. uh and there's probably five uva players who have a chance of getting drafted and we're going to take a look at all of them right now so i think we start off with the player that 
both Rob and I think have the has the highest chance of getting drafted. Probably will hear his name called uh, on day two. Hopefully not on day three, but uh, hopefully somewhere in there is uh, Bryce Hall. Yeah, I mean Bryce Hall. That's that's part of the reason he feels he felt so bad when he came down with that ankle injury, which mm-hmm. was obviously a really really significant ankle injury. And you just knew, you know, he came back for his senior season. He didn't have to. And, you know, Mel Kuyper, he had a draft call the other day where basically he said pre-injury, he thought Bryce Hall was probably a second-round prospect. Now maybe he falls as low as the fourth round. And, you know, it was really tough for him not being able to work out. You know, he was invited to the combine but couldn't work out. It was kind of 50-50 whether he'd be able to work out on his pro day. So, you know, you feel for the guy. But we all have seen how talented he is. We've seen how well he is in press coverage and zone coverage, especially. And you see how good he is against the run and how smart he is, the time he puts into the film room. You know, hopefully he heals 100%. And I'd love nothing more to see Bryce Hall talked about as one of the next really good corners in the NFL. I think that he has a good chance of getting drafted, too. I mean, he, he's got a lot of uh, intangibles that that NFL teams love he people didn't pass to him a lot because he knocked so many passes away Uh, he's good he's got good hands he sticks with players really well he doesn't get beat down the field a lot and as you said earlier he's really good against the run he's really good at at stuffing the stuffing the holes in the in the gaps he is a big body he doesn't have probably the longest arms that teams look for but Bryce Hall is definitely a good recruit, and even despite his ankle injury, he's still very highly regarded by a lot of draft experts and a lot of NFL teams. So look for Bryce Hall to get drafted at some point on Thursday or this weekend, next weekend. Yeah, and I mean, that's the killer is, you know, there's question. I think the biggest knock on him is probably people question his speed and, you know, just not knowing how that ankle is necessarily going to recover, especially now that he's not a not only was he not able to work out but he's not able to do visits teams aren't really getting their full complete medicals on him Mm -hmm. so you know hopefully that works out but yeah i mean i love bryce hall and i mean i just remember watching the belt bowl uh i guess it was two years ago now and just them showing the highlights of bryce hall in that game i mean i was just the way he was mirroring those receivers i mean they couldn't throw anything on him. They mm-hmm. couldn't throw anything on anybody that day but the way bryce hall played was awesome yeah and you know if you want to compare Bryce Hall's injury to someone I think it'd be uh Tua I mean he injured his hip but if you look at the same way Tua is such a high highly regarded recruit and NFL talent but teams are scared of picking him because of his injury proneness and of course how he's recovering from his hip injury and you know if Tua Tua could could be picked number two by the Redskins I know you don't think that would be a good idea but he might that might happen <laughs> chase young right <laughs> or or he could be picked you know late in the first draft late in the first round to, into the second round if teams are scared of his hip and and they don't think he can fully recover so i think it'll be interesting to see where bryce hall goes based on his talent but also teams that are scared of him because of his injury yeah, I mean, you just hope for the best for him. And he's obviously just such a terrific guy. So hopefully it all works out. Um, the next guy to probably talk about, probably Joe Reed, I would say. To me, okay. Joe Reed has kind of had a decent amount of momentum as far as, you know, getting drafted and being mentioned in these articles. And, you know, he worked out at the NFL Combine as both a receiver and a running back. I mean, he played both in high school. He said when he got to UVA, they just kind of told him, hey, you're a receiver. But, yeah, obviously very versatile, was great in the kick return game. Most people have him pegged as the best kick returner in this coming draft. Just there seems like there's going to be so many ways to get him on the field. To me, it seems like I, I would say probably more likely than not at this point, based on what I've read, that Joe Reed gets drafted. Yeah, and I think he's such a gadget tool, kind of. Not not so, not so gadgety as like a Darren Sproles, but you can use him all over the field. You can use him on special teams. You can use him in the running back position or in the slot or just as a regular red, wide receiver. I think something that UVA did really well was use Joe, especially in the later half of the season, is use Joe Reed 
where he helped the team out the most. And so they were moving Joe Reed all over the field. Joe Reed lined up at running back just a couple times during the season. But I think that, you know, it would be interesting if a team lined him up there permanently because I think he'd do a really good job. He does a good job of finding gaps and finding holes. He's got great burst. He's got great speed. I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes. And and if he doesn't get drafted, he definitely gets picked up by someone almost immediately. Yeah, and it was really interesting. I was reading about his essentially combine prep, and he was talking about how everything is so focused on, you know, quick quick twitch, speed, explosiveness. And he was like, yeah, like, honestly, like, I can't remember off the top of my head how much he benched. I remember it was impressive. It was one of the top numbers for our wide receivers. He was like, yeah, like, my bench went down because I was focusing so much (laughs) on things like the 40 and the shuttles and all that. And he ran, like, a 4, 4, 7, 4, 4, 8, 40. So – you know, plenty fast enough. And I'm just excited for him too, because, you know, and put in the right offense, he's a guy that could really make a difference. You know, I think of the way that, you know, the Packers use their receivers or, you know, if now that Brady's gone from the Patriots, I don't know so much, but the way the Patriots have used their receivers and, you know, there's just, I think there's room for him to really make a difference in the NFL. I don't know if he'll ever be, you know, the top wide receiver on the board. I mean, that's the whole talk of this trap draft is how good these wide receivers are, but he's so versatile. You can use him in so many different ways. And, you know, he scored touchdowns out of the backfield last year. You know, you look at the touchdown pass he caught against Florida state. That was him running a route out of the backfield. And, you know, he made a lot of plays out of the backfield last year. So there's just a lot of versatility in this game. And I'm really hoping the right team picks him up. Cause I think with the right team, he could be a really cool player to watch. The thing about Joe Reed is that he, his explosive plays all start near the ball or near the line of scrimmage. He, he is not someone who goes way down the field to catch a long ball, typically. I mean, typically you'd see him catch like a slant route and then just take it because that's where he excels is in the open field and uh, running at, with the ball after the catch. So I'm excited to see where he goes in the draft. Absolutely. Absolutely. Next guy that's probably has the best chance of getting drafted. It's got to be Mac, right? Yeah, I think it's got to be Jordan Mac. Yeah. Yeah. And I think. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, you know, Jordan Mac, I think the big questions with him, and it's kind of similar to what they were with Micah Kaiser, is, you know, is he a two down linebacker or is he a three down linebacker? And he's Mm -hmm. great against the run and he's great blitzing. You know, he had seven and a half sacks last year. And you look at his film against the run, he's diagnosing plays. He's in the backfield. But the big question with him is going to be his coverage skills. And it's kind of weird because he was a safety recruit, you know, coming out of high school. And the staff moved him first to outside linebacker, then to inside linebacker. So hopefully there's something there. But, yeah, I think that's the biggest knock on him right now is, you know, he's just kind of unproven in coverage. Yeah, and I think I think something about Mac that's really impressive is his um... – not only his tackling skills, but the way he fits into gaps and kind of tracks where the ball is going. He's really smart and he's got great field vision. So he, you, I mean, you could definitely tell when he was, you know, he's been hurt on and off the past two years. So he hasn't seen the field as much as he would probably like. But when he is on the field, he he's a really good leader at telling the defense where they need to go. And, of course, in the NFL, he's not going to be that guy, but he knows what he's doing and he knows how to track down the ball really well. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for his potential. You know, I don't see any reason why he can't be, you know, a three-down linebacker, a guy that stays on the field in nickel packages. You know, he's fast. He didn't get to work out at the combine, but, you know, he's fast enough. You know, like we said, great blitzer, you know, and – by all accounts, you know, a really smart guy, too. He's one of the guys on the all-academic teams every season for UVA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's – I feel like he might have lost a little bit of momentum. It seemed like at the beginning of the season it was, yeah, he's probably a yep. mid to late-round draft pick. Now it seems like he might be a late-round draft pick. Of course, it's so tough to tell. Once you get past the first few rounds, everyone has different opinions on players. Yeah. But, you know, I'm really hoping he has a shot at getting drafted here. And, you know, you look at Micah Kaiser, who – was supposed to start last year for the Rams before he got hurt. Now it looks like he's probably in line to be the starter this year. Hopefully he's able to play, you know, to see maybe Jordan Mackin in the league too and get a similar chance be it a year or two from now. 
I think that could be really exciting for UVA. I think to be fair, Kaiser was, I think, a much higher rated prospect than Mac. But I think Mac does have a chance of sticking with an NFL team. I think I think definitely he gets picked up very quickly as a free agent if he doesn't get drafted. But I don't I'm not sure where he sticks if he's more of a special teams guy or if he gets a shot at actually being on the field on defense. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of other UVA linebackers, Leroy Reynolds, you know, he's still in the league. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> for linebackers who are really good on special teams, there's a spot in the league for them. And yeah. Leroy Reynolds has been in the league now for seven or eight years. And, you know, as a former Redskins guy, I look back at Lorenzo Alexander, too, a guy who, before he was really a good defensive player, was just considered one of the best special teams guys in the NFL and stayed on the Redskins solely for that reason. So, again, I think he's a guy that, there's got to be a place for him in the NFL because he's so good against the run. He's so good as a blitzer. He'll add value on special teams. And, you know, while he didn't excel in coverage at UVA necessarily, I don't see any reason why he couldn't. So I'm really hoping he gets a chance and, you know, has a chance to do something in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Next prospect, I think, has to be, I would say, Hassis Dubois. Yeah, I would say is. As far as most likely to get drafted, I, yeah. I'd go Hasis as number four here. And, you know, Hasis, just such good hands. And that's his biggest asset. He's a big body, and he just has, you know, such good hands. You know, probably the best hands in college football last year. And he's a guy who, again, was, you know, knocked a little bit for his speed, and he never got the chance to really work out. He said he could run around a four, you know, mid four fives, I think is what he said. He, could, he was expecting to run for his 40 time. Which, you know, there's plenty of receivers in the league that ran around that time. So I'm really hopeful he gets a shot. And I know you really, really like Hasis and, you know, think he can add a lot of value to a team. I love Hasis. I think Hasis gets drafted just based off of his catch against Florida for the touchdown. I think that, you know, if you've got hands, you've got a place in the NFL. And, you know, he doesn't necessarily have great speed or quickness. I think his route running is really good. I think that. UVA's coaches put him in great positions to make catches, but he doesn't drop anything, and he didn't have any drops this past season, and I think that's something that gets overlooked for some reason because that's an incredible stat. He had 75 catches, zero drops. So I think that if you can catch balls consistently, I think there's a place for you on a team. Now, if you're the sixth wide receiver on that team, I think that's fine, But or even on a practice squad, but I think Hasis has definitely got a shot at not only getting drafted, but getting some playing time on a team. Maybe it's not a contending team, but it's a team that maybe could use a wide receiver with great hands. Yeah, and I mean, the biggest knock on him is just really, he doesn't get a ton of separation. You know, he's not necessarily the quickest guy. And, you know, when he's in press coverage, he doesn't always win off the line. But at the same time, we've seen him get separation. I mean, you go back to that Clemson game and the ACC championship, you know, when his seas has a full head of steam, when he's able to get off the line, you can find the holes in the zone. And mm-hmm. if he's got man coverage, he can put a little shake and bake on you and he can go. Yep. So, you know, I, I'm excited for what he can do. You know, it seems like the scouting community is probably lower on him as a whole than they are on Joe Reed. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Joe Reed is trending towards getting drafted while his seas is most likely not. But I, I think Joe know, Reed is just more versatile. I think Joe Reed is, you know, fast. Joe Reed is has good hands as well. I think Joe Reed is a great prospect. I, the thing about Hasis is that he's also strong, and he's a he's a so good strong. he's a good blo- he's a good blocker as well on the outside. He, um, I, I'm looking at highlights of his. I see the extra effort against Pitt on that touchdown he had, where he just like dragged the defender with him. Uh, he stiff armed a tech defender into. Um, the next dimension uh, this year as well. So he's got strength. And I think that, you know, if he gets drafted or when he gets picked up on free agents, I think that he has a good chance to make a roster. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, he's the type of guy that players are going to love, that coaches are going to love. And he came so far from being kind of considered the hothead in the locker room and on the practice mm-hmm. field to where he became at the end of the year. Where, we've come a long you know, way. Since, leading by example. We've come a long way <laughs> since those allegations. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, I think 
you know, any quarterback would love to have a wide receiver like Hasee. So you put it somewhere near him, he's got a really good chance to catch it. Yeah, absolutely. And the guy who put it near him for the past two years, Bryce Perkins, to me, he's probably the fifth most likely player to get drafted. And, mm-hmm. you know, it kills me that he didn't get a combine invite. It kills me that he didn't get a senior bowl invite. Because he would have that... killed the combine. His stats would have oh, blown absolutely. everyone away. 100%. And, you know, it kills me that he didn't get a pro day at UVA or Arizona State. He had tried to do one at Arizona State, too. Mm-hmm. Didn't get that. But, you know, Bryce is just a playmaker, man. He's a playmaker. And, you know, we'll be the first to tell you, like, not in love with this throwing motion. You know, I don't think its fundamentals are 100% there. I mean, I'm no expert, but I'm just telling you what my eyes see. But at the same time, you know, when a ball really needed to get somewhere, mm-hmm. you normally put it there. So, you know, I just really hope he gets a shot. And he's so athletic. I don't really know if teams will try to play him at other positions. You know, I think he's really trying to be a quarterback here. And I really hope he does get that shot to be a quarterback here because he was just so good for UVA and really just kind of the poster child of the Mendenhall era so far. Yeah, I think I think the other thing, you know, he's a you said he's a playmaker he's also a winner like he wants to win he'll do what it takes to win he's tough he plays through pain he I think he's got underrated accuracy as well I don't think the power is there on his throws but his accuracy is there I think the one thing that Bryce Perkins has got going for him in terms of either getting drafted which I think is relatively a low shot at this point but I think he is a great shot of getting a com a, a roster invite from someone because of a man named uh, Lamar Jackson, and Lamar Jackson is the new type of quarterback in the NFL. The Ravens kind of took a really big risk in drafting him a couple years ago, and Harbaugh, Coach Harbaugh, did a really good job of making the offense and making the plays for Lamar Jackson to succeed. Now, I don't think Bryce Perkins is necessarily as good or as good of a thrower as Lamar Jackson, but I think if a team wants to move in that direction, Bryce Perkins is a great quarterback to do that. He's got great speed. He's got great elusiveness. He makes the throws that he needs to make. I think he reads defenses really well. He doesn't force a lot of things that he doesn't need to. I think Bryce Perkins is a really smart football player, and I think he'll find a a home excuse me, with someone. Yeah. And like one of the things that I was reading articles about is, you know, when you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, well, who is he backed up by RG three, another mobile quarterback. And like teams that go in that direction are going to be looking for quarterbacks who are similar styles to be the backups. And we're not saying by any stretch, anyone's drafting Bryce Perkins to really build their offense around right now, but he's a guy who can be versatile He's a guy that for the right quarterback could be a really good backup quarterback, you know, almost right away. And I actually saw one article that kind of compared him to uh, Gardner Minshew, which I thought was kind of funny, Mm -hmm. but they were basically saying like, Hey, like Gardner came in and he had, you know, he wasn't, I mean, he was a six round pick. I think, you know, he wasn't the flashiest guy in the combine or anything like that, but you know, he was a playmaker in college and he came into the NFL for the Jaguars last year made a lot of plays for them in the first half of that season. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they were kind of comparing Bryce Perkins in that mold that, hey, you know, if you give him a chance, you know, it might not always look, you know, like a Tom Brady or Ping Manning back there, but there's other ways to get the job done. And, you know, Bryce Perkins obviously has a lot of the abilities to do so. Yeah, I agree. I think, so I think, once again, I don't know if he'll get drafted. I think it would be amazing if he did, but I, I do think he'll get a spot somewhere with a team. Yeah, I mean, you look at, it's kind of funny because we think of Kurt Benkert as kind of the traditional, you know, more NFL quarterback. And, you know, he set the single season passing yards record for UVA. And, you know, Bryce Perkins went on to break that more as kind of a dual threat mold. So, you know, Kurt Benkert's path to the NFL, more of the prototypical prospect, you know, he did get that senior bowl invite that Bryce Perkins did not. Um, But he came in and he was on the practice squad for the Atlanta Falcons and, you know, looked like he might be in position to make the roster this year before he got hurt. But, you know, if we're being real with Bryce Perkins, you know, it's probably his best shot is, hey, 
you know, let me get on a practice squad. Let me be some team's third quarterback that they don't want to dress on game days, but I'm here on the roster. You know, the Ravens are the easy example just of the way their offense is drawn up. But, you know, it could be other teams too. So, I mean, if Bryce Perkins can make enough plays in the preseason and in camp to make that a realistic possibility, then, yeah, I mean, once you're in the NFL, who knows what can happen. Yeah, and I, I do you think that there's any chance – Bryce would switch position yeah you know I, I know we've talked about this before I mean to me I could see it as a possibility you know his whole family is running backs you know his brother's a running back his dad was a running back you know he comes from a family of running backs it's kind of it's kind of interesting honestly that he ended up as a quarterback um so you know maybe there's a path there you know that's kind of the path that they tried to take with Denard Robinson when the Jaguars drafted him a few years ago. I would say that's the most likely path, um, probably running back, just because he's so big. You know, he's got such that mold, and we've seen how tough he is and running him in between the tackles and, you know, the shots that he took and just bouncing right back up. So I would say that's probably the most likely position if quarterback doesn't necessarily work out. But, you know, I think he's really, really going to try to make it as a quarterback. And, you know, I don't think he's like a Marcus Higgins where teams are looking at him as a wide receiver. I think they're really looking at him as kind of in the backfield. You know, what can you do for us? And I think first option would be quarterback. But, you know, maybe a team, you know, sees him more as a running back. It's tough to say. He's such a great athlete. But, you know, I really think it's going to be kind of quarterback or bust for him, honestly. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I think I, he deserves to get a spot he deserves to get a chance and i think if he does get a chance he'll prove that he belongs on a team so i'm excited to see what's in store for him is there anything else you want to talk about with the draft or with football in general the only other player i'd add and then add in there is eli handback mm-hmm. you know he's not a flashy player by any stretch but he was kind of you know the bedrock of the defensive line the past i mean really four seasons he was there for all four years of mendenhall's tenure so um you know probably won't get drafted but i know he's working out for teams he's said he's had interviews with teams um and you know he's a guy that the staff is really trying to highlight and show teams you know yeah he wasn't flashy but look how fundamentally solid he was you know he can play nose tackle he can play uh defensive tackle in a four three he can play three four and you know you can line him up in a lot of spots so um i would say look at him to maybe get a shot somewhere and tanner cowley you know kind of off the radar a little bit but you know some people are higher on him and especially his versatility as well you know looking at guys who could potentially get invites who we didn't talk about you know thinking of Evan Butts last year getting an invite I think Mm -hmm. his was actually to the Ravens so you know look for Tanner Cowley and maybe Eli Handback both to potentially get uh tryouts as well yeah so I mean I hope that they get drafted and uh good luck to everyone out there uh, Rob, is there anything else you want to add besides that? No, nah, I, I think we covered it pretty well, man. Yeah. Uh, I do have a quick yell to give. Uh, do you have one? Yeah, I do it, but I, let's hear yours, man. All right. I want to give my yell to Jocelyn Willoughby, chosen 10th overall uh, in the WNBA draft by Phoenix and then traded to New York. So congrats to her. She's going to do uh, she's going to have a great time in the WNBA. Yeah, no, that really was cool seeing her go number yeah. 10. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of be a cop out here, but I'll go Tony Bennett. Nice. Uh, Tony Bennett, in <laughs> and, and a time where there's not many sports going on, he's got me really, really excited about the future of this basketball team and mm-hmm. getting in uh, Murphy and, you know, the uh, the potential of getting in Keels. You know, <laughs> I'm really, really excited about what this basketball ball program is going to look like you know not just next year but several years from now the foundation has been laid and now we're seeing you know the next wave kind of the next deandre hunter kyle guy tied your own type of deal so i'm really excited for that so go tony bennett keep me interested i am here for the future all right so with that i think we're done for today make sure to follow us on twitter at guys and ties pod make sure to follow us on snapchat and instagram for that bonus content i don't know how much bonus content's coming out here in our quarantine (laughs) life there's a little bit so (laughs) hit it up Uh, if you like listening to us make sure to follow us on itunes and spotify 
and go check out Armchair Media. They got a lot of stuff. Even in the world without sports, there's still sports going on at Armchair Media. So go ahead and check them out. And we will see you guys next time. Go Hoos, baby. Go Hoos.